From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. And welcome to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We are on SiriusXM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives program here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and I'm here along with Michelle and Dion, who are running the ship. Hey, if you're thinking about a career change or you're in the middle of a career change and you're getting frustrated and feeling rejected and everything feels like it's piling up on you, today is a great day to be tuning into the show. Because what we know is so much of our happiness and success in life depends on attitude. So while we usually blame circumstances in our life for impacting our mood, what we always have the ability to do is choose to see the bright side of the situation. And usually there is a bright side. You probably heard that laughter is the best medicine. In fact, studies have shown that laughter can lower blood pressure, boost your immune system, and reduce stress. Oh, and it's a great ab workout. So have a laugh a day and you won't have to do those planks anymore. But if it's been a while since you had a good belly laugh, you're going to want to stay tuned for today's expert guest. Today, we welcome Avish Parashar, an author, speaker, and humorist who transforms high-energy improv comedy into practical business skills to get people laughing, learning, and motivated. Avish is the author of two books, Improvise to Success and Say Yes And, and he helps people unlock their potential. The Philly Inquirer called him the best Indian-American improvisational comedian in Philly. He is a graduate of UPenn right here, and we're excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Avish. Thank you, Don. Thank you for having me. So so tell us um, a little bit about this yes and concept. So yes and is a foundational idea to the world of improv comedy, and it's one of the first things you learn. And when you're making things up in improv, you're usually doing it with partners, and when your partner says something, you have basically the choice of responding by saying yes, but, or yes, and. So if you and I were doing an improv scene and you were just to start out with something random like, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee together, I could say, yeah, but I'm not really in the mood for coffee. Now, what that does is that blocks you, it, it hurts our productivity, and it cuts off our creativity. So we're trained as improvisers to respond with yes, and, like, yes, and uh, I know this great place that just opened up we can try, because that moves the action forward. So in an improv context, it's real basic. But what I found is that in life and in business and a job search, wherever, most people tend to default to yes, but, and that's what keeps us limited. It, again, cuts us off our creativity, makes us negative. So one of the big things I teach people to do is how do you switch from yes, but to yes, and, and what are all the benefits of that? Hey, if you're just tuning in and listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111, we are live and taking your calls right now if it's noon on Thursday. You can reach us at one eight four four wharton That's 844-942-7866. You can also tweet your questions to at bizradio111. And we are here with Avish Parashar, the yes and guy. <laughs> so how does this apply to a job searcher in your career, Avish, this idea of yes and? Well, the most basic way is that when you're going through a change or when you're thinking about going through a change, a lot of ideas are going to pop in your head. And uh, what do we all say? We all start with yes, but. Like, oh, yeah, but that's not what I want to do. Or yeah, but that's not what my training is. So essentially, we're going through a transition and we yes, but ourselves right back into the situation we left, which, I mean, how many times do you know someone who hates their job 
or they're unhappy and then they lose their job and all they want to do is go back and get back to that job. And that's what Yes But does. It's, we are kind of evolutionary trained to not like change. So what Yes And does is it, it tries to shift your mindset from, okay, this has happened and here's what I'm going to do about it. Mm-hmm. Or yes, this happened and here's what I'm going to take advantage of that. Uh, and a lot of that just recall, um, requires stepping back and rethinking instead of just reacting to, to the unfortunate event or the change or whatever you're going through. So it gives you momentum to move forward. That's what I'm kind of taking from this. It does. And it's important to think about it one step at a time because one of the reasons I think we say yes, but is once you start thinking about a career shift, that's a huge idea and that scares the heck out of people. Um, but if you think about the first step, like, well, let me just explore this idea. Let me cons- – you know, sometimes people don't even want to have a conversation. You know, someone says, oh, have you ever thought about like you're an accountant? Someone's like, oh, have you ever thought about going into marketing? What? No. Yes, but that's not me. It's like they're even afraid just to talk about it. It, That's how much the desire to say yes, but is. So building momentum is that first step. And, yeah, that's what yes and does. And who knows where you're going to end up? And I think that's the beauty of improv is you'll often end up somewhere way better than you would have if you just – stuck with your yes but plan Mm -hmm. so how does improv you're a comedian you do improv Mm -hmm. and use this in your leadership coaching how does this help people move forward in difficult situations how does this help change their mindset well the first thing is it gets them paying attention to how much they think and say yes but i mean i teach this stuff and uh I am reminding myself every day to say yes and to my wife instead of yes but. <laughs> well, that's just smart. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. just basic. <laughs> it is, but even me, I teach this stuff and I've been teaching it for years, but I still find myself defaulting to yes but. Actually, so, just say yes. yes. Just say when yes. When you're talking to your spouse, just yes. <laughs> well, we yes. get in the career and there's actually a big difference in yes and yes and. <laughs> um, but yes, with the wife, yes, yes, dear. You're right. I'm sorry. Perfect. Perfect, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what that does is just be paying attention. So I've gotten to a point where... I am more aware of when I'm saying yes, but. And that's the first step. People don't even realize it. So the first step is just paying attention. And then can you shift to the yes and? Can you just take a step and explore? You know, can you can you consider a new option? Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing how just the realization is the first step to building that momentum. So so key action takeaway for our listeners today is take the rest of today and just do little check marks or, or write down how many times you hear yourself saying yes, but. Yeah, it, and it's also not literal. It's it's because I've done this exercise in audiences and I'll have them do an exercise. Well, OK, everything you say has to start with yes, but. And then I'll have them redo the conversation where everything starts with yes, and. And sometimes a person gets up there and they say yes, and. But they're really saying yes, but <laughs> yes, and but <laughs> yeah, literally, I've heard them say that. I've heard them like you're talking about where to go to dinner. They're like, let's go to let's go get steak. Yes, and I don't really want steak. Like, okay, that's not. So it's it's not a literal technique. It's really how you're thinking about things. Got it. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Avish, the yes and <laughs> comedian, and we are talking all about how to change your mindset. And move forward in a career that you love. We are taking your calls live right now. 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. And we're going to go to Sammy in New York. Sammy, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hey, how you guys doing? Yeah, Good. I love the energy, Sammy. Go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm just calling. First of all, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, you know, uh, I find myself all the time you know, just always thinking about the negatives and, oh, what, and I feel like, um, to get to your point, is it because of the people you're around? Because, I mean, I'm working in sales right now, and I'm trying to go to law school. I'm thinking about going to law school, and I feel like a lot of people around me say, yeah, but um, why would you do that career change? It's three years of law school, $150,000 in debt. 
you know, all that kind of stuff. So is it also about changing the people around you? Such a great question, Sammy, because I will tell you this. For anybody who's trying to make a change, whether it's a job change or you're trying to implement a new fitness program or any of these things, people around you mm-hmm. want you to stay the same. Like it just it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. because you're kind of forcing a change on them and they're gonna try and keep you where you are, which is one of the reasons it's very difficult to make those changes um, when you're looking at this. But Avish, what what advice do you have for Sammy? What do you see in your work? Yeah, environment is is critical, and that's why one of the things I'll, I'll try to work with a whole company or group on is a yes and culture. But if you're an individual and um, you know, we don't have to talk about everything to everyone. And I think that's something we, we get excited and we go talk to people and are working with and, you know, start identifying who are the yes butters. And I, you know, there's no actually saying yes but on occasion or looking at the negative is not the worst thing because you want, you don't. I'm not one of those super power positive thinking guys, like no matter what you do, like there are negatives to things, but do what's useful. So don't talk to the negative people when you need to be motivated. But when you need someone to come and shoot holes in your idea so you can make it bulletproof, you know, <laughs> go out to that person. Go out with a beer and say, hey, tell me why this is dumb. Um, but, yeah, your attitude and energy is going to be so affected by your environment. So just keep those things away from them unless you can stay away from them altogether. I just want to point out you said but twice in that. And, I, <laughs> I and I'm counting. So I, and I want you to do the same for me. But, I absolutely will. <laughs> but, Sammy, I think you're right. Negativity breeds negativity and positivity breeds positivity like even when you called your energy over the phone mm-hmm. made me sit up straighter because it's like ah oh, it's 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 infectious so yeah you know, when you're I, can i can i just say something i swear to god i'm not lying but my manager he tells me you know you have one of those intangibles he's like i can train you i can teach you how to sell better but you have this intangible where it's like your personality and your infection so i cannot believe that over a radio station over a phone call, you can, you know, see that. That said a lot about you. That's very good. We can totally right. hear it. We can totally <laughs> yeah. hear it in you. And I think exactly what Avish said. You know, you need to find those people who are your cheerleaders mm-hmm. and who are, are behind you. And when those people say yes, but, I mean, yep, you know, change the topic, move on to something else, talk about something else, because they don't want you to change because it's uncomfortable for them. And it could be that they've wanted to go back to school, but they haven't, and they're projecting. I mean, who knows? I don't want to get too deep into the psychology, but I love your energy, yeah. Sammy. I love that you called us and, and are excited about this, and I say go for it. Yeah, and keep that attitude because it's it's very true. It's so much easier to teach a skill than change a mindset. And when I ran an improv group right here in Philadelphia, we'd have auditions, and I would look for people with skill in the beginning. And then I realized that the level of skill someone had on day one had nothing to do with how good they could become. It was really about attitude and mindset. So if you've got that, don't let – be very, very protective of that because that is your greatest asset as you move forward, especially in sales. Yes, you go, Sammy. Thank you for so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Best of luck in your career. We appreciate it. Hey, if it is noon on Thursday, Eastern Time, we are taking your calls live throughout the hour. 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. And we are talking all about mindset and how positivity breeds positivity. And we'd love to hear from listeners on, on, on where you see this working for you in the workplace. And so we're talking a little bit about improv and and how this works to to Mm -hmm. maybe get people who are not comfortable maybe in certain situations like networking or interviewing um how can they use this to get better or feel better more confident in those situations because those can be really stressful yeah well improv is a great confidence builder so the long answer or the the long-term answer is to 
you know, uh, go do some improv. <laughs> you know, join a group. Uh, if nothing else, it is the most fun thing you can do, really. Uh, the reason I did that, I'm still doing it after 20 years instead of getting a real job, is it was too much fun to stop. So um, just the act of being creative and, and stepping into uncertainty and understanding that, hey, you'll figure something out is a great way to build confidence. Um, beyond that, the best way improv in, in an immediate kind of trick you can use is to stop. And I mentioned this earlier, but stop thinking so big. And I don't mean don't dream. I mean, if you're going to a networking event and you hate it, don't think about the networking event. How many leads am I going to walk with? Am I going to get a job? Think about the first step. Can I say hello? Can I ask this person about them? Because it's very easy to make a journey step by step. It's really hard when you start looking at the whole thing. And that's the best improvisers are the ones who just start and then see where it goes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, breaking up into chunks. Something else you said really resonates with me is this idea of of, um, taking risks because the more you take risks, the more your tolerance level for that goes Mm -hmm. up. So one of the things I love that works, I feel like, no matter what your situation is, to do one thing differently every day. And I've said this before on the show, but whether it's going to a different gas station or taking a different route to work or maybe you t- you you drive so maybe you take the bus or maybe you come home and you sit at a different place at the table mm-hmm. just that that awareness of shaking things up and and being uncomfortable i've heard people who've like you know started brushing their teeth with their non-dominant hand and yeah it's a mess but it really forces you to be conscious and it really forces you to start getting comfortable with discomfort. Absolutely. And it's funny, you use the word consciousness. One of the things that I talk about in improv is a big principle of being present or you know, go more Zen or yoga stick, you know, <laughs> it's to be mindful. And it sounds so odd because you think of mindfulness as as like a Zen and improv comedians are kind of, we're like spazzes, right? We're up there and going crazy if you watch who's lines. But that ability to be present and be aware of everything going around you, it just unleashes so much creativity. And I think so many people get stuck on autopilot. Just like you said, oh, wake up, brush your teeth, eat the same thing, drive the same commute. So little things to break that up. It's it's going to get you more comfortable with difference, but it's also going to open up your creativity, which is a big piece, obviously, of improv. You can start seeing those opportunities maybe you wouldn't see otherwise. Yeah, I think people, I mean, I've done this. You drive to work and you can't even remember oh, yeah. the process of getting there. And you're <laughs> thinking, wow, I mean, I, I just totally zoned out because you're not you're not very focused on what's going on. So we're going to get to Nick in New York. Nick, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hi, um, I'm, having, um, I'm having some concern about a career change that I seem to have uh, getting myself into, and I'm just wondering. It's either I, listen. I'm not. I'm not a negative person. I know exactly what I wanted to do. This is something I've always always wanted to do at a certain age. But I just want. I, I wonder. Did I get into it too early, or am I not making enough of an effort to 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 make it to where I want? I've I've I've, I've been in fitness for 20 years. Um, ran my own business for 16 years, and I decided I it was time for me to do what I've always wanted to do, which is becoming a real estate agent. To come out, I'm sorry, to become what? To a real estate agent. Okay, so you mm-hmm. went from fitness for 16 years, and now you're going into real estate. Got it. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yes, and it seems like uh, real estate can say, it seems to be taking longer to develop uh, because it's 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 a it's it's a relationship business. Not that I don't know people, but most most of the people that I've known in my fitness field are not. It's either they already have agents or they are not selling. So these relationships don't seem to be working for me as of yet. So I'm just wondering, what do I do? So how long have you been in the real estate business, Nick? About seven months. Seven months. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. it's still relatively new. And, you know, 
I totally hear what you're saying. You're saying I'm trying to be positive, but I thought I'd be further in by now. And why why is this not working for me? So I think there can definitely be a lot of reasons. And I mean, my first thought is seven months when you've done your last career for 16 years is not a very long time to be in a a new position like this. Mm-hmm. Um, Avish, what do you think? Uh, yeah, you need to. I mean, I think setting time frames is important because sometimes people get involved and too soon they're evaluating, and sometimes it's too long. Like I went on for years before I made some changes. So I think without knowing a lot of specifics about your situation, uh, there are two things I would recommend. One is um, <laughs> this is a hard lesson. It took me probably six years to learn, but made a huge difference. Um, and it might sound offensive, but is if you are not as successful as you want to be, you need to be better. Um, and I heard that lesson about six years before I applied it. And for six years, my business, my speaking business was um, not doing so well. And so on that, you asked, like, you need to work harder. I don't know how hard you're working, but it's trying different things, which brings us to the second point. And that is what I found for myself and what I see with a lot of people is we're, we go down a path. Either we came up with it or someone told us this path. And we keep trying, hoping that, hey, eventually things are going to click. And that rarely works. Or if it does, it takes way longer. And sometimes you just don't have like the savings to last that out. So think in terms of experimentation. So try something different, kind of like what um, uh, Dawn was saying earlier about doing something different every day, is if what you're doing is not working, experiment. Try something new and give it a realistic time frame. Not because you're hoping, hey, this I'm going to hit a home run in this next one. But what are you going to learn that's going to make it a little bit better? And what are you going to learn the next time that's going to make it a little bit better? Right? As a speaker, I try new things in my presentations all the time. Some of them get thrown by the wayside. Some of them become the best parts of my new speech. So keep experimenting and tweaking until you get where you want to go. And I, I think that's great advice, Avish. And you know that idea, Nick, of, okay, what's the time frame? So say I'm going to give it a year. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and see where I am at a year. And if I'm not there, I'm going to completely reevaluate. But I do think it takes – it does take some time. Mm-hmm. And I do think doing things differently and maybe getting advice from somebody who – is in the field and has been in the field a long time who can give you some pointers. I also think relationships are so critical in every business, real estate, of course, for sure. But but just about every business, relationships are going to be critical. So it sounds like a lot of the people you're starting with already have a real estate agent. When you think about selling and buying homes, I mean, it's not something people do mm-hmm. regularly, um, you know, maybe every few years, maybe every 25 years. So I think expanding your network is going to be helpful for you because just every day new people are getting into the real estate market. Every day people are getting out of the real estate market. Mm-hmm. So so there are going to be those openings that come up and I think perseverance is going to help. But I also think expanding your network beyond maybe the people you've already tried who you say already have a, a real estate agent and say, you know, that's great. I'm glad you're happy with that person. If you know of anyone else who might be interested in the market, you know, please give them my card. So I think looking at different ways as Avish was saying maybe maybe it's revamping your website maybe it's writing a blog um, maybe it's sending out a newsletter so that you can gather more maybe you know it's I, I don't know about this well here's yeah. here's what I recommend to people um, is and this is kind of an exercise you can do is to tap your creativity is imagine you had to go out and continue in this case your real estate business and find more clients ask yourself how would I do that if I couldn't do anything I am doing or currently tried and that constraint, that limitation of not being able to fall back on what you have been taught or have trying to do forces your creativity to come up with new ideas. Because think about it. Everything you're – I mean, I don't know your situation, but everything you're trying to do is probably something everyone else is trying to do too. 
right? There's probably everyone going out to the same networking events and calling on your family and friends. And so if that hasn't worked yet, and I agree with Don, you got to give a little more time because they do take time. But to mix it up, ask yourself, what would I do if I couldn't do anything I've done successfully before? And then that's where your creativity is going to come with the new ideas to differentiate you and potentially move you forward with that experimentation. Nick, thank you so much for calling Career Talk. I have, I have a feeling that you're you're going to have a breakthrough very soon. So do what Avish suggested. Get creative. And that's usually where, where the market is, where no one else is tapping mm-hmm. into. Thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk, Nick. We appreciate it. We're at... 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. And we are live if it's Thursday at noon, taking your calls throughout the hour. And I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And we are here with Avish Parashar, who is the yes and guy. And I do I do want to talk about this Jaws response that, that yeah. you wrote about in your blog. Tell us about that. Well, in a, in a quick nutshell, the movie Jaws, which is uh, you know the best movie of all time. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, How do you really but, feel? <laughs> but it was literally the, the, the highest grossing movie when it came out. And mm-hmm. it made critics say Spielberg's a genius, specifically because he didn't really show the shark very much. And they talked about how brilliant that was because it made it scarier. Well, it turns out that was an accident. Um, on the set, the mechanical shark never worked. It kept breaking down. And you, know, you hear the PA go, you know, the shark is not working. The shark is not working. <laughs> And, and they're saying the thing, we're going to run over budget, you know, and this movie's never going to get done. So they had to get creative. And that was a huge constraint. The shark wasn't working. And that was the original plan. So they figured out this way of they use point of view shots of the shark where the camera acts as the shark. And they use this thing with these yellow barrels where they would harpoon the shark with a barrel. Mm-hmm. And then you just see the barrel, not the shark. And this made this the highest grossing movie of all time. And critics talked about what a genius he was. He was nominated for Best Picture and Best Director. And it's all because he had a mistake that something didn't work and he used it to his advantage. And I think that's what we need to do in our lives. We have constraints, you know, not enough time, not enough money, not enough experience, whatever. And we look at all those things as why we can't do something. And what if we flip that? And like Spielberg said, okay, here's the reality. How can I work within these constraints or how can I use these to my advantage? And it's a very – because you're saying everyone faces the same constraints. The people who figure out how to get creative and use them are the ones who are going to leap ahead of the competition. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that constraint is it's exactly what you were saying to Nick. Sometimes putting that constraint on yourself, saying I'm I'm not going to use any of these things and I'm going to find something that no one else is doing is what actually leads to the success. Yeah. And what I found is um, for a personal example, right? So I have a son now. He's a year and a half old. And before he came along, I had the, let's just say, the luxury of being inefficient as a self-employed person, right? <laughs> if it took me eight hours to get four or five hours of work done, it's like, whatever. I'm working from my home office. My wife was out all day at work, so it's fine. I got things done. But then I realized, oh, my God, I'm, my wife is pregnant. We're going to have a son. I don't have that luxury anymore. It's a huge constraint. And if I kept doing things the same way, I was going to drown in work. I was never going to get anything done. So I spent a couple of months before he came really rethinking how I did things, reprioritizing, creating templates so that I could be much more efficient. Now, what the nice thing is now that he's older and he's got more routine, all those benefits are still there. And so my life has improved by virtue of using those constraints to my advantage. And that's, I think, an area where people look at the the job change as a huge drawback. If we can find the opportunity in there, it can really propel us forward. And I think that's something that um, I want to really highlight because it's something that everybody who's listening can do right now is to look at an area of your life that you can make more efficient. Mm-hmm. And 
it's going to take a little time. Yeah, it's going to kind of be that one step back for, for five steps forward. But this is how I actually started blogging. I, I kept getting the same career questions and I would type the mm-hmm. answer, type the answer. And I'm like, I, I've typed this answer 10 times. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to write a blog so I could say, here, here, read this. Mm-hmm. And that's how my blog started, which was, you know, instrumental to my business and so many things. And so it was that that like I got to create something that's a little bit more efficient that created something great in my career. So I'm going to I'm going to challenge everybody who's listening is to look at that one area of your life where where maybe you could be more efficient or maybe you could do something differently that could lead to results, even if you're not sure what those results are. Yeah. And think and think longer term, think three months, six months, a year in terms of because we get so in our what's right in front of us, like what can I do today? But what's going to make your life easier in six months? So, for example, I'm uh, I've worked in computers. I have an IT degree from here from Penn. Go figure. The Indian guy has an IT degree, <laughs> uh, but I never learned how to touch type. So I type pretty fast, but with about four fingers. And I'm realizing when I'm just looking at straight productivity gains, if I can learn to touch type, it's going to give me an overall lifelong boost in productivity. So I am now spending about half hour a day going through a typing tutor to retrain my body for that reason because it's going to be painful right now. But in six months or even three months, it's going to make my productivity increase and it's going to last forever. Those are types of things. That what, what obstacles can you remove to give you lifelong benefit? Great advice. We're going to go to Sam in Texas. Sam, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hey, and thank you, guys. What a wonderful conversation. Thank you, thank Dr. You, Sam. Graham. I'm really enjoying this talk. I just wanted to share uh, an appropriate conversation about taking risks. And I was a franchise developer here in Houston. I flew all over the United States helping uh, corporate employees who hated their jobs uh, use their nest egg savings account inheritance to own a franchise. And uh, I worked with all kinds of folks, and we connected people uh, with a particular franchise based on that individual's interests and monies that were available for those interests. And I was very happy with the job. And um, and to to make another long story short related to that, I was reading a Gallup poll, this is about eight years ago, that said 95% of Americans hate their jobs, H-A-T-E, their jobs. And they, they polled brain surgeons, architects, dentists, professors, the whole work, hourly workers, and the conclusion was that we have a very unhappy workforce. And so I was part of the 5% who loved my job. And I decided uh, that I didn't want any strangers looking after my kids. I had uh, 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 two sons at the time, an infant and uh, a five-year-old. And uh, I said, I don't want strangers looking after my kids. I'm going to be a work-from-home homeschooling dad. And I shared the great news with my wife, who almost lost it and, and wanted to divorce me. And she just was not happy that the breadwinner in a two-income household would be shot down to one income. Uh, are, are you all there? Yeah, yeah, we are. We are listening. We are. <laughs> we, are okay, we, we, wanted, we were waiting for the aha in this. So Okay, well, well uh, so, so fast forward at six years later, I've been homeschooling both of my sons. No one can take credit for teaching them to read but me. No one takes credit for spelling, for uh, social studies, for mathematics. I get that credit based on the work and efforts I put in. And I didn't know what I was doing, guys. 
I, I wrote a list of what was most important to, to me. Uh, learning a foreign language was important. Mathematics, reading, spelling, all those things were important. But they were at the bottom of the list. So, the So what we're hearing then, Sam, is that um, you really took control of what you wanted and you took that positive attitude and you sound like you've got a, an amazing positive attitude mm-hmm. and you created a situation that maybe worked in a, in a way that other people couldn't even grasp because you said your wife wasn't really happy with it and how is this all going to work and it sounds like it it worked great i mean yeah it's funny in improv you know i used to when i would teach people how to perform i'd say the theory i'd use is uh, when you get out to perform uh, dig a big hole and then find a way out of it and I don't necessarily suggest that entirely for real life because I think there's some really bad personal development advice about just jump and you'll find, you know, learn how to fly on the way down is, is crazy. But once you got your ducks in a row, you don't have to have it all figured out. Uh, and kind of like it sounds like Sam did is he wasn't really sure what to do, but he knew he wanted to do it. And this kind of goes back to the previous caller about the real estate. It's just I think too many people take they're very flexible on the first step. And then they get rigid again. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to jump into real estate, but now I'm going to be rigid in my approach. It's like the flexibility and adaptability has to, especially when you're going through a big change or something entrepreneurial, it has to be throughout, not just the first step. And because I think that's where people get stuck. Yeah, it's not linear. I think people assume that, oh, I'm going to start and I'm going to do step A, B, C, D. And, and no. It's, well, we're it's, trained to believe that, right? Yeah. From the moment you're in school, it's like, exactly. well, here's your path and go work in a factory now. <laughs> exactly. So, um, hey, if you're listening, we are taking your calls live throughout the hour at one eight four four Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Avish Parishar, the, the Jaws lover, the comedian, <laughs> the yes and guy. But we are going to go to our pre-break quiz now. Quiz. There's a quiz. Okay, this this is a very interesting one. So, <laughs> almost every day at Walt Disney, a guest stops a cast member in the theme park to ask this about the three o'clock parade. Almost every day at Walt Disney, a guest stops a cast member in the theme park to ask this about the three o'clock parade. Think you know? Give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111.
You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. And welcome back to Career Talk, your business insider here on Sirius XM Channel 111. We are here with Avish Parashar, the yes and guy, mm-hmm. the Jaws lover, which is actually my first horror movie that wow. I saw in the theater. And of course, I grew up in New Jersey and I was terrified of the Jersey Shore after <laughs> that pretty much for a very, very long time. It was very traumatizing. Yeah, a lot of trauma in that movie. <laughs> So I, I think he did it right. He did. The fear factor was up there. So <laughs> so we are going to go ahead and answer the pre-break quiz because we've got a ton of callers who called in for this. And here I'm thinking this is this is a little bit of a challenging question. But the pre-break quiz is almost every day at Walt Disney, a guest stops a cast member in the theme park to ask this about the 3 o'clock parade. So we're going to go to Sammy in New York. Sammy, what do you think? Yeah, Hello. Hello. Yeah, I, I said that it was, um, is this the Cinderella ball? Is this the Cinderella ball? <laughs> <laughs> no, that is not the answer, but I'm sure people ask that as well at Disney. <laughs> Thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk, Sammy. We really appreciate it. We're going to go to Ron in California. Ron, you have an answer. Uh, yes, I do. They ask, uh, what time is the 3 o'clock parade? <laughs> so, so you're saying, oh. <laughs> ding. ding, ding, ding. You are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Every day at Disney, a guest stops a cast member in the theme park to ask this about the three o'clock parade. And Ron, you are spot on. It is what time is a three o'clock parade? <laughs> So, I mean, and you think about it, you have these harried guests who are tired and they're, they're maybe dragging three kids around who want to do everything and they're distracted. Um, but the cool thing about Disney is that they're trained to understand the question behind the question. And instead of answering, well, duh, three o'clock, mm-hmm. they answer with some of the best vantage points to see the parade. They talk about where the parade passes at certain times of the day. And that's probably what the guests are really asking. And I I give Disney a lot of credit because their goal is to provide this exceptional customer service so that they get beyond that question. And how this applies, I think, to the job search, Avisha, I love your opinion, is, you know, in interviews, people often are not interviewing regularly. Hiring managers have a line job and interviews maybe Mm -hmm. three or four times a year. So they don't often ask the question in a way that you can get your your strengths across or you want to, you know, talk about certain things. And, and they need to get the information to be able to hire you. So what I would encourage people is, is if your potential employer's three o'clock question comes up, for example, what are your strengths? They don't want to know a list of a list of adjectives. What they want to know is how does the value you add help my bottom line? Mm hmm. Yeah, I think they do that. And I think also, uh, at the end of the day, the interviews, they're really looking for uh, your personality, right? Because your skills are going to kind of get off the resume or whatever exam they make. Sometimes they make you take a test. But they're sitting across the, I, I Frankly, I mean, this whole other topic. I think the whole hiring system is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think trying to hire someone off of a 30-minute one-hour interview is crazy. But they're really going to try to get a sense of you as a person. And so if they ask a, a screwball question or a question that has an obvious answer, if you let your 
irritation at that question come through, it's it's just a red flag right there. I mean, <laughs> when we had auditions, my theory was this is the best this person's going to be from a personality standpoint. They're going to be on their best behavior. And so <laughs> my very first year we did auditions, this one guy had signed up for a time slot to come and audition. And he showed up late, got stuck in traffic, whatever. Things happen. But then he started giving us a little bit of attitude about trying to fit him in so he could not have to stick around that long. And I don't care how good he was. Like, you are not someone I want to spend weeks and years with if if on this day you're giving me an attitude. And I think that's that's that Disney thing, right? No one wants to ask a stupid question that be made to feel stupid. They want to be made to be our guest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's in the same thing with an interview. You want to be on your best behavior and show, hey – no matter what happens, I'm going to be someone that, that you can work with, talk to, communicate with, and we're going to get along great when I'm working here. Exactly. So, Ron, kudos to you. You you got the um, answer right. But I have to I have to give credit to Dion and Michelle because they <laughs> also got the answer right right away. Come on, Dion, give yourself a ding. You know what? I jumped the gun because I never get it right. <laughs> so I got excited. <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> He's like, I got it right. Ding, 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 ding. I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> well done. See, and I, I thought this was this was going to be a tough question, but we're going to make it harder next week for sure. <laughs> so, Ron, thank you for calling us at Career Talk. Hey, if you're listening and it's noon Eastern time on a Thursday, we are here taking your calls live at 844-WARDEN. That's 844-942-7866. And we're going to go to Carl in New York. Carl, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hey, guys. I've got a question for you. So I reached out to a senior-level executive to get some guidance on pivoting careers. So I got the call, which was great, and I followed up with thank you and sent off my resume. But I haven't heard anything after following up with a second email. Okay, so just to clarify, so you, you reached out to this person, you had a conversation, and yeah. and then this person asked for your resume and you haven't heard back. How long has it been? Um, probably about five weeks. Five weeks. Okay. So, yeah, if you had said five days, I would say, okay, chill. But here's here's what I'm going to say. And I, I'm a huge advocate of networking. Everybody knows this who listens to the show. I say it all the time. One of the things that you – if you haven't read, read Steve Dalton's book, To Our Job Search, one of the things I really like about him is he, he looks at your network as people who are advocates for you, people who are what he calls curmudgeons, and, and then people who are kind of in the middle. Um Oftentimes, when someone asks you for a resume in a networking situation, it's a dead end. And I'm going to advise people to try and avoid that because what happens is they feel good that they have your resume. Maybe they sent it. Maybe they didn't. You don't never know. And you feel good because you're sitting here thinking that, wow, this person's my resume and mm-hmm. he or she is shopping it around and, and I'm going to get a call and then you're waiting for this. And it, it really never happens. So it's kind of, it creates a dead end where um, now what do you do? Because now you feel like when you're following up, you're being you know maybe a little bit of a nag and things like that. So so one, I would say in, in the future when someone asks for your resume, unless there's a specific job that they're passing it along to, say, you know what, I, I would definitely be happy to give you my resume when there's a specific job, but what would be more helpful right now is if, you know, this conversation has been awesome. If there's anybody else on your team or any other people that you think I might speak to about this topic, that would be more helpful for me right now. And try to avoid giving the resume. Now, where you are now is you haven't heard back in five weeks. And so what I would do now <clears throat> is I would reach. So you said you already reached out to the person and you haven't heard back. 
Yeah, I actually followed up with the email actually via LinkedIn to see if you know if they, if I get a response that way because I know a lot of like C level executives don't necessarily check their email. They have like an admin that checks it. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and I was also thinking if I know who's on their team, what do you think about maybe reaching out to someone else on their team? So yeah, so this 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 gets a little bit borderline um, tricky. How do you think the networking meeting went? In your opinion, I mean, do you did you? And I actually feel it went well. Like it was, and I got an hour conversation and it went for a whole hour. And they actually gave me a lot of information on mentoring and asked about my background, where I saw myself with the company, and um, we built a lot of common goals, not goals, but common um, interests together. So like mm-hmm. we had a lot of common interests. So I think it went well. It's just. Um, so my question is: Did, did it sounds we, you're calling it a networking meeting? Did did you was the conversation about just giving advice on your career shift, or was this specifically to talk about opportunities they may have for you? Well, it was basically me reaching out for. I was looking for advice and some pivoting from the government into the, you know, the private sector. So that's what I um, reached out for to get some mentoring and advice. It wasn't like, hey, I'm looking for a job. It was more like. You're a you know, senior le- um, senior director, and you're manage people in a position that I'd like to be someday. You know, what do you think I should do? Give me a roadmap or something. Yeah, so I think in that case, it doesn't sound like it was as formal as an interview. So the follow up, you know, a lot of times, and a lot of people just don't want to be mean or say no. So they'll be yeah. say something like, you know, yeah, sure, send me your. Inf- I mean, as as a solo business person looking for gigs, I get a lot of the send me your info. We'll keep it on file. The one yeah. thing I might recommend, and Don may have probably has more experience in this, but I have, because um, I'll do speaking engagements where people will tell me follow up with me, and then they will not respond to my follow ups. So what I do is uh, I have what I call my last ditch email after I've tried three or four attempts. I will have a very polite email that says, "Hey, I haven't heard back from you. Something, and maybe you're not as interested. I want to be persistent without being a pest." So, because here the other thing that happens is you are priority number one hundred forty two on his list, and he yeah, is exactly. priority number one. So he may, and I do this with a lot of people for me, I'll flag the email, like, oh, I'll get back to that later. And then, so giving a quick email like that, just, hey, just, you know, if you don't have anything for me right now or if nothing else, let me know. I don't want to bother you. But if so, but if you do, I'd love to just set up a time to, to and people, they often feel, I got a lot of apologies to that email. I got a lot of thanks for your persistence. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but by letting them know, hey, this is the last time I'm going to try to reach out to you, it kind of lets them know, okay, let me let him know where things stand. I think that's yeah. key. You need to find out if they are one of those people who are going to be an advocate, who are just going to mm-hmm. kind of, like you said, not want to hurt your feelings. So if you're looking to meet with somebody on his team, you might reach out. If you're connected with this person on LinkedIn, I mean, it might be easy for you to do some quick research on who's on his team and who's connected and say, you know, hey, um, as I was doing more research, I see you're connected to Jody. Jody looks like somebody you know. I would I would love to talk to. Would that you know would it be possible to make an introduction? And again, if you don't hear back, I think you go with uh, a vicious suggestion and say you know, hey, I don't want to be a pest because it's one of those things. It, it's kind of like it's kind of like dating, isn't it, Avish? Where oh, you're God. like you're like, oh yeah, I had a great time. I'll call me. All right, I'll call you. And, and well, that's yeah. with the yes, that's a yes but <laughs> attitude, right? But negates everything. Before. You're a great guy. But like, I don't care if you think I'm a great guy. <laughs> you say you're a great guy, and I don't yeah. want to see you again. Yeah, that's that's not <laughs> the well. It's fine with the yes and with what um was it was it Nick or I forget the name of who we're talking about. <laughs> it's um in improv. This idea of making an offer or gifting something. So when I do something with you in a scene, I'm giving you a gift. And I think with networking, 
especially if you think the person, if you're putting them in an advocate category, and there's potential, they may not respond to you because they're so busy. But if you switch the idea from, okay, let me find out, do they have a position for me to how can I serve you? Is there an article I can send you? Is there some information I can give you that's going to help you without really expecting anything in return just to stay in their network and help them out? Because that's <laughs> going to keep you top of mind. And, and then when the opportunity does come by, it's kind of cultivating that advocate relationship. Mm-hmm. And, lo- and the last thing I want to add, Carl, is that you know one of the things that Avish said is, like you said, you're number 142 on his priority <laughs> list and, and he's number one on yours. So when, when networking or job searching or doing any of that, I say – Keep applying, keep having conversations, have as many conversations as you can, because then you're never really focused on just Mm -hmm. one. I mean, sure, you may have some that that really bubble up to the top as ones you're most excited about. But every day, keep going, keep moving forward, and you won't have to worry about, you know, this one person who's not getting back to you necessarily. So was that helpful, Carl? Well, I have one more part of that. Now, with a lot of people, you can find their email address either online or via LinkedIn, just I think the callers and myself would definitely um, would work out or just to get some advice on, do you email their corporate email or do you connect via LinkedIn? So, you know, LinkedIn, in, in my opinion, is used as much more of a professional social media than um, than like things like Facebook or, or Twitter in some cases. So if you have their direct email I think it's better to email them at the business, especially if it's a professional relationship. Unfortunately, a lot of people who have a LinkedIn account don't check their LinkedIn email or it's not forwarded. So I think that can be a dead end in a lot of cases. So if you do have their corporate email, then I would use that. If you don't, LinkedIn is a really good backup. Avish? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think um, kind of going back to a little bit of your dating analogy, I think it's, it's exactly the same, right? I mean... We, we've been in that situation. Well, maybe I'm the only loser who's been in this situation. But you've been in that situation where there's someone you had a great date with and you really want to – and they don't respond to your text or your email or call. And your mind starts playing these games like, well, maybe they didn't get my text. Yeah, maybe I was just gonna maybe say my that. email went to spam. And that's when the desperation comes in and that's when you become more and more repulsive to the person you're interested in. Um, and I think to your point about the more you're, quote, unquote, playing the field, the easier it is to detach and then the more attractive you look. Um, so – you know, connecting on LinkedIn, I think, is okay. But if you're connecting on LinkedIn because, oh, maybe they're not getting my email, let me – I think that's when it becomes – I think that's when you reduce the advocacy um, because now they're now they're starting to see you as a little bit of a pest. I would, you know, trust the process, maybe connect with them on LinkedIn, but I wouldn't necessarily try to go around and try to connect with all these different ways if they're not responding. And how is the primary communication, right? Because if they responded to your first email – and they're not responding to your second. Chances are they're getting the emails. Yeah, there's got to be that line between okay, this is too much, mm-hmm. and it's it's not working. I gotta I gotta just move on to the next one. But thank you so much, Carl. I know this is a question that a lot of people have because we actually got an uh, email oh, cool. question that is kind of along these same lines. Um, Dr. Don, last Wednesday I had a phone interview for a position across the country. There were two people on the call, the HR manager and the person who would be my direct manager in the position were on the call. The conversation went well. In fact, the HR manager and I graduated from the same school. Let's see. So, But as of today, it's been a little over a week and I haven't heard back. Should I follow up again? If so, when and what should I say? Thanks so much. Love the show. Eric in Pennsylvania. What do you think, Avish? I think... I think everyone's fine with polite communication to follow up. I think just a, a periodic check-in, like, hey, I just want to see what the status was. Or if you have more information to provide or if you have a real reason for a question, like, oh, I'm talking to this other group. And um, I think a polite follow-up about once every week or so, a week or two, 
within, you know, once you go to that third, fourth email, all right, I will let it go. But I think a polite follow-up is, I think you can get, one thing I say when I'm, I work with, help people on their speaking stuff too. And I say, look, you can do anything you want as long as you're kind of polite and deliberate about it. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're a jerk, like, hey, I haven't heard from you. Or very short, you know. Now in these days, people like with their phones, they'll they'll write the shortest messages that that just sound rude, even if in your head it's not rude. So I think a polite, well written email is very acceptable, and and they expect it. I think. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'll say about the job search is that recruiting time moves much more slowly than oh, yeah. normal human time. So as we were talking about before, this may be priority number one. You're excited about the job. You're like everything's going well. You start to visualize yourself in the office and the commute, mm-hmm. and you're getting all you know pumped up for this. And what's happening in the company is that they have it on their desk and they have all these other to dos, and the person who they need to talk to is on vacation or traveling or they're waiting for a response for somebody else and it's not a huge priority yes Mm -hmm. they want to fill the position but but if they say they're going to get back to you in a week i usually tell people you could probably count on at least two weeks yeah and i also i mean i do this with my own kind of personal sales it's very similar i think for recruiting is outline the expectations so i will ask people if they're considering me as a speaker around when were you thinking about making this decision and they'll say in a month in a week in in two months Mm mm-hmm and then I will say, okay, well, if I don't hear anything from you in, uh, in, in, if they say two weeks, I'll say, okay, well, if I don't hear anything from you, say by week three, I'll just drop you a line to follow up. And they're like, oh yeah, that'd be great. So I think if we set the expectation, um, a, it gives you permission, and b, it makes it, it takes all the questioning out of it. Like, well, should I? Shouldn't I? Should is it, just say, hey, look, I'm going to follow up you in three weeks if I don't hear anything. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, they say that's fine, mm-hmm. and then you know what to do. I love that idea, asking for permission, mm-hmm. because that's what it, whether you're networking or you're in a job search. If you have an expectation, okay, I'm going to hear from you by next Friday, great. If I don't hear from you in three weeks, I'll, I'll send you an email. And then send it. And you can very easily say, just to go along, Avish, with your, you know, be polite. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about the job and very excited about all the people I met. Still very interested. You know, just kind of, hey, I'm out here. Yeah, also keep records. Because um, one thing I found is in doing my own marketing, I did an analysis of two years worth of business I got. And uh, with those with those leads I mentioned, I pick up from gigs where people say contact me. I, I discovered that I think one gig happened. I only got one gig if it took me more than two emails to get a response. So of all these leads I got, and all this stress I had, five weeks following up, following up. I was like, if they don't respond by email number two, chances are it's not happening. And same way here, we drive ourselves crazy because we think we've got this great lead of a job. But start paying attention to how are people actually responding over time. And that kind of gives you a little free and be like, you know what, let me move on to the next one because they haven't responded. And it's very freeing. It's it's a little depressing, but freeing to, to be able to say, I'm done with that. Yeah. And I, I think what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, if I put my recruiter hat on, what's going on behind the scenes is – it gets very difficult for, for a company to pull the trigger the closer they get because then they start to think, is this the right person? Am I making the right mm-hmm. choice? And, you know, and they start to backtrack even though they're very excited about bringing the person on. Or I hate to say it, but if, if they're really dragging things out, maybe you're the number two candidate and they're they're making an offer yeah. to number one and waiting for that person mm-hmm. to respond. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy being number two if I still get the job. <laughs> it's what, what people get. You know, it's funny. It's what, it's what I, I've been playing around this term called the threshold effect, mm-hmm. which is, you know how like when you're like on an escalator or walking through a hallway and you hit a door and the person in front of you, the moment they step through the doorway is when they stop and like you're, you can't go around them and all of a sudden like traffic starts backing up. It's mm-hmm. To me, that's a threshold effect. It's like they didn't think about it, but once they step through the doorway, now they're like, oh my God, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And that's what the hiring person is doing right before that. And that's what we do when you talk about career shifts. 
we're all geared up. And then the minute we take that step, we get that that freeze. So I think it works from both ends. And the more we understand that that's there and say yes and to that, be like, yes, I've taken this step and let's just move forward now. I think we save so much stress and time just by saying, okay, I'm committed. Let me act instead of being like the sudden fear right at that last moment. Doesn't action really like reduce all anxiety? It like- does because <laughs> – yeah, what is it? The, the the hero dies one death, a coward dies a thousand because you sit there and you stress over and over and over it and just I mean, how many times have we procrastinated something for weeks and then when you do it it takes fifteen minutes. You're like, Oh, what the heck was I <laughs> was I wasting all that time for? Time energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, cortisol pumping through. So Eric, thank you um so much for your question. Hey, if you want to email a question, we would love to have you do that. Business radio at SiriusXM.com. Of course you can send one to Twitter as well at BizRadio, or you can follow me at Dr. Don. Graham, um, so as we're kind of wrapping up here, Abish, mm-hmm. let's. Are there any like quick tips you can give people for like changing their mindset? We already talked about yes and and doing one thing differently every day, taking action. Are there any other kind of quick tips that people can really use to get into a, a mindset of positivity and courage and strength? Uh, yeah, I would say throughout the day, um, look at what you're focusing on, right? Because every situation, I'm not a everything's great type of guy. Everything's got positive. Everything's got negative. So start asking yourself the question, what's good about this? Um, and even if it's a bad situation, because what that's going to do is direct your focus to what's good. And that's going to start getting that positive energy going. That's tip number one. You know, the people who are, if you think about the most negative, stressed out person in your life, uh, and if you can't think of anyone, it might be you. <laughs> <laughs> they're spending the most amount of time and energy putting their focus on everything they can't control and everything that might go wrong. You know, what happened in the past, what someone else was thinking. So ask yourself, what can I do right here, right now? Control the focus. <laughs> the second tip is really watch your energy. And, you know, for an improv, before you do a show, you warm up. And when I first started out, what I learned and what I did in my first few years is you do this whole series of warm ups about getting focused and you do tongue twisters to loosen up the tongue and all that. And it took me years to realize, for me, that was garbage. The only thing that mattered as to whether our show was going to be great or not was the energy level of the people beforehand. If people were happy and fun, it's going to be a good show. If they were serious and tired, bad show. And so all my warm-ups, threw everything else out, all my warm-ups were just about getting energy up. And the same way applies to our focus, our attitude, our productivity. So if you're feeling down, which happens when you're on a job search and things aren't going well, do what you need to to kind of energize them. Go for a quick walk or stand up or stretch. It's going to completely change that attitude, and that's going to open up your creativity and and give you more options and things you might not have seen if you just sat in front of your computer staring at your email. Mm-hmm. Agree with all of that. So Avish Parashar, the yes and guy, thank you so much for coming on Career Talk. We really appreciate this. I feel just energized after speaking awesome. with you for for an hour. <laughs> goes by so quickly. So I want to thank you, but please tell our listeners where they can reach you. Sure. Well, the website is dinghappens, D-I-N-G happens.com. Uh, there are a lot of videos on that site. If you want to know why it's called Ding Happens, uh, go to the site. You'll figure it out. Uh, I'm also kind of like Madonna. There's not a lot of other people with the name Avish. So if you type Avish into Google, uh, the first probably six results on the page will be my various sites and things. And I got a book on Yes And, and you can get all that on dinghappens.com. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Avish. Thank you to all of our callers and our listeners. You are what really makes the show. Michelle and Dion, way to go with the pre-break quiz answer today. Hey, if you want more great tips and advice, you can sign up for my weekly blog, dawnoncareers.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Dr. Dawn Graham. And we will see you next week when we will talk about one of our favorite topics, negotiating. You've been listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111.